to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, double digit days down. That's a lot. A couple of days off, and we're off to Tampa Bay. A quick hop over Alligator Alley up I 75, about three and a half hours from South Florida. But that's not until Wednesday. In the meantime, we had what I would say was my favorite practice so far of training camp. The quarterbacks were on, and that always makes for an exciting day. The one-on-ones were electric. The run defense and pass rush had their say. Cheetah did what Cheetah do. And we had some really good media avails with Coach McDaniel, Cedric Wilson, John Jenkins, and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Xavier Howard came out of the practice bubble today with the orange jersey on. I was a day late and a dollar short or maybe a couple days and maybe a Lincoln short because I kept thinking he might get it earlier in the week, but that also kind of speaks to what we always say about Xavier Howard, right? Sometimes... Because of the nature of his position, the better he is, the less he gets noticed. Well, he got his recognition today, and maybe, just maybe, that gave the Cheetah the little extra motivation to get a deep ball on X. Remember earlier this week, Cheetah said he was getting a little bit tired of seeing X across from him because Miami's all-pro corner was giving him some fits. Something you're just not going to hear from Cheetah very often. More on that in just a moment. But the weather was also the best it had been all training camp long with some cloud coverage, a pretty healthy breeze at our backs at the top of the grandstands here at the Baptist Health Training Complex. And before a practice broke out, we got to hear from head coach Mike McDaniel and his media availability. And once again, you always learn from this guy when he speaks to the media. And we did learn some more today about the intricacies of the tight end position. First, a comment here about Hunter Long, and then we'll go ahead and get into the idea of the tight end position in this particular offense. Good stuff here from coach. First, Hunter Long. Second, the expectation of tight ends and kind of how they have to work them into this particular scheme. Here's coach McDaniel. Hunter, uh, is is a player that um, we we had on our radar um, when I was on a on another team. He's a he's a, a young player that it fits what we do. So been very excited with him. He's um, you know this this whole process, especially for tight ends, um, is is du- is difficult because of the scheme we run and in conjunction the scheme um, or the scheme we run on both sides of the ball. So. Uh, that t- the tight end position in general is is a work in progress because we're we're undoing a bunch of um, technique that they've been used to their whole football lives. Uh, Hunter specifically started out really really strong. He he grasped all of it super fast, and you know it's to the the credit of the mind that that he has and his investment. And now he's going through the second stage, which is um, honing skills, honing technique. And he's attacking each and every day. Um, and I know he gives the, the defense 
um, their own issues uh, each each day with how he competes and how he attacks the process. And here's part two of that equation. It's more like, so there's a, like from a starting point, um, typically tight ends, um, you know, you're, you're, you're coached and, and it's neither, it's not bad or good. It's just a commitment to, but typically they're coached to, you know, not get beat as opposed to attacking um, and having, having help where they, with known help. So you have to, for us, where a lot of it starts with like running off the ball, like where we're not playing it safe at that position. Um, you talk about, uh, a nine technique, um, especially in this league, uh, whether that's a stand-up backer or a defensive end, and that can be an imposing situation that you want to make sure that the, your guy doesn't immediately tackle somebody. So you play inside, and, and you have some you know, board footwork that you're kind of plotting off the ball, and you don't displace as much. We, we don't do that. We say we're going to go after the guy. Um, here on these plays, you will have help. Here you won't. Um, and we, we, it, it's really a completely different mindset. It's almost like every time he blocks, he's running a route. You know, you're coming off the ball with that same mindset. So it is an adjustment um, that I think uh, it does take people, especially ones like Hunter, who have really been deliberate in how they've gone about their business their whole lives. It takes them a second. Um, it, it's very similar to the adjustment that the line has to make there's just more space between them and the defender. I thought that was very worth pointing out today because of the comments I had put in the podcast yesterday regarding the difficulty of evaluating practice. That's just a prime example of it right there with, you know, how they're coaching it in a certain way and how the results don't match the progress necessarily that you might see from a tangible standpoint as far as fans go in the stands out here at practice. So good stuff there from Coach. He also had a great answer here about how he might envision the touches at the running back position. Here he is talking about not shortchanging the process and not allowing himself to get too far ahead because we still have multiple weeks of camp and preseason left and not letting the entire process play out would be a disservice to his guys. Here's Coach McDaniel on the running back room and how the process has to play out. For me to sit here and say every practice is important, for every rep's important, and it's a constant competition. Um, the only way that I can that I can really follow through with those words is I have to consciously, which I do, consciously refrain from doing that, because I don't I don't want to uh, limit an opportunity by having a, a preconceived notion. There's guys that are doing um, that that really got our run, running scheme. Um, really got it early. Maybe that have more history in it. Um, but you don't shortchange the process of learning, nor do you uh, really allow yourself to, to get ahead and predict the future. We have a huge practice today, followed by a couple of huge practices against Tampa before the pre- first preseason game. So my mindset is really just to coach guys and see what they do with it. And when the opportunities start to um, minimize, you know, after people have earned their right in front of their teammates, uh, you know, that who gets to play and who doesn't, then I'll kind of settle in on that. But right now, um, we're just, 
I'm very, very happy with that room. One of my favorite rooms that I've been around. Um, and they are making it, the competition is fierce, but they're bringing the best out of each other. They, they get along and they're, they're really, just watch. If your eyes can go fast enough, if there's a good run, find, take your eyes, find Eric, running back coach, Suzville, then find the running backs. They're all like fist pumping, cheering. It's awesome. You know, they, they really root for each other, understanding that um, they want to win the job. They don't want to be given it um, at the expense of somebody else. Coach has talked about the intention to go out and get a certain type of player that really has a thirst for the knowledge and the hunger to put the work in to be the maximum version of themselves. We've seen that so far with Eric Ezukama. We've talked about it with Eric Ezukama, with Braylon Sanders, with Wes Welker. Here's Coach McDaniel talking a little bit about the process for a rookie receiver to come in here and have success like Eric Ezukama has so far. Again, that's kind of why I try not to get ahead of myself because um, he came in I've been very happy with him the entire time. He's made more plays now that he knows what he's doing. I've been more concerned with, like, how is he approaching the process? Is he making the same mistake twice? So he, he's kind of – it doesn't surprise me. And, it, you know, it's going to kind of be – it's going to be a curve like that for him where um, it will continue to get better and better. There's a lot of things he still needs to work on. But you could tell from the minute – that you started working with him. This guy was a driven dude. He takes it very serious. Um, and the best is the best football is in front of him because when he plays fast and knows what he's doing, you're starting to see some of the stuff that he d does. He's a big, strong dude that can make plays on the ball. Um, and, you know, his college tape, one of the things that we loved about him was he was very, very hard to tackle. Um, those things you're starting to see a little bit more of um, because it's the natural process. They're, it's a new language, and they're you know, learning something um, incredibly different. Half their, half their world, they have to align on a field that are, the dimensions are new to them. So you're saying two yards inside the numbers, and they're like, what? You know, where is the walking around? Like, so um, ha he just needs to continue to work. Um, and I think you'll continue to see him um, make some plays. And then, then we just, all of his teammates are um, encouraging him and pushing him so that he can be uh, relied upon on a down-in, down-out basis um, with, all that, that, with all that goes on with that position that isn't just running routes. It's also blocking. You know the old adage about when your best players work the hardest on the team, it sets a certain example and standard that everyone else feels they have to play up to. We've talked about it all offseason. We've seen the tangible impact on the field. We've heard him talk about it at a press conference. We've heard his teammates talk about it at a press conference. How about from head coach Mike McDaniel, the impact of Tyreek Hill for how he approaches the game, for his confidence, the edge that he plays with, and the way that's able to give him a – tone-setting opportunity to make corrections in the meeting room. I'll go ahead and let Coach take it from here, but this is really good stuff on Tyreek Hill's confidence, his approach, his workman-like mentality, and how Coach parlays that into an opportunity to help set a certain standard for the rest of the roster. Him particular, his personality, he's one of one. And, you know, I think it speaks to uh, how he plays the game. Um, he's... He's a shorter player that doesn't play small. Um, 
and that that is his edge. I've had I've, I've had players that have been similar in that manner, just not to that level. Um, but the thing that that people really don't realize um, that is so cool about him is he's also very very accountable. He's one of the first people that I can show in in team meetings and say, hey, this isn't to our standard or this isn't right. Because like 10 times out of 10, ever, ever since we started with him here, when I do that, the next day in the team meeting, I get to show him correcting the mistake. And it, and it kind of sets the tone that, that you know, you, you're conditioned as an athlete to want to be, I mean, everybody wants to be good at something, but you're conditioned that like a coaching point, you know, dang it. He had to correct me, and that's and that's not the case. the The coaching is point is like, hey, the player and the coach getting together to communicate something to make you better, um, and and it he really from the beginning helped me set that tone with the players because I could say, hey, this isn't good enough. This is awesome, and either way, I have their best interest at heart when I'm trying to communicate something. So he he does that. Um, with his assignments, and he does it with, uh, he's, the, he's the guy that I can be hard on um, on his route depths, and he's the guy I can be hard on blocking. And every single time he puts it on tape that he not only heard, heard the coaching point, but it was important enough to him to fix it immediately, um, which is an example that um, is huge for all players, young and veterans alike. Similar type of workman-like mentality in that running back room. Chase Edmonds has come in here and really, really just shown us what he's all about at that running back position from the explosive standpoint of his game, the vision, the creativity, the knowledge, the ability to work off leverage and set his blocks up. Here's Coach talking about the approach of Chase Edmonds. You hear him off the top, the excitement in his voice. That's a good one, he says. Coach gave us a nice long answer on how well Chase Edmonds has approach this entire thing to learn a new system to come in here and be the best version of himself and how we keep getting more and more production from Chase Edmonds. Here's Coach McDaniel on his new running back. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. He's, um, I think the team realizes it because of the way that we go through film together, but this is the, the scheme that we run is a little different than he was used to, which we knew going into because we were evaluating him and we kind of projected it. Um, what's been really, really awesome to see his feel for the game. His cerebral approach is real. Sometimes guys, that a cerebral approach means they just know all the assignments, which is uniquely he does. He knows every receiver assignment, and he's understanding the blocking schemes and all that. But more so, he has a combination of feel to apply um, abstract coaching points. We want him to um, press the line of scrimmage, and he's working on it daily. He's diligent with his tracks. He's um, really getting a feel for the protection. So he's, it's been cool to watch him um, really, really, to, really to digest and, and start to get, um, you know, you can see it on the field. His productivity uh, is, is obvious. Um, he's, doing, he's doing a great job and, and really, really getting a feel and coming to his own um, for the position. 
There you go, Coach McDaniel. You can find that entire media availability up on YouTube. A couple of questions left out, as we are wont to do. Let's go ahead and take our first break here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast and come back on the other side with some very detailed practice notes from a very fun day out here at Dolphins Camp. That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. And then a football practice broke out, and it was a fun one on Sunday. If I haven't mentioned that already, we were treated to some great one-on-one matchups, both in the wide receiver slash cornerback uh, battle, also the running backs going up against safeties and linebackers in coverage, as well as the pass rush work. And I kept my eyes, despite the temptation of receivers and corners going right going on right in front of me, kept my eyes over on the pass rush one-on-ones. And in fact, you know what? Let's actually go ahead and go back here and go through this position by position and just cover it that way because I don't want to I don't want to lose the thread here, so to speak. Let's go ahead and start at the quarterback position. And yesterday I mentioned that Tua really seemed to heat up after that crowd-pleasing deep target throw the football into a net session from 50 yards away, and that carried over into a really good second half of the practice as he dialed up long balls, or I should say continued over to today as well after Saturday's strong finish to practice as he dialed up his long balls to Trent Sherfield, to Cedric Wilson, to Tyreek Hill. And the thing about these and the precision required, I suppose – The difficulty level, that's what gets me excited because of the calibration that just seems to be working here for QB1. You're never going to be, you're never going to bat a thousand on any throw, much less the lower percentage shots down the field. But man, he is trying and he's really hitting a good rate of them. Ooh, wee, he's trying. Cedric Wilson talked about it today and I thought his answer was incredibly instructive about how Tua has dialed the deep ball to get connections with a variety of different types of receivers with varying speeds and skill sets. Here's Cedric Wilson on the deep ball of Tua Tungavailoa. Um, and it's accurate. Um, it's, I feel like it doesn't really change the spots. It's um, our job to get to the spot because um, he's going to hit his spot. And I think he adjusts it perfectly between the speed of all of us because obviously I'm not as fast as Rican uh, Waddle, but he throws it up, gives me the time to get to the spot. And I feel like that's the best part of it. And then from there, man, Tua was sharp today. I had one pass that I thought was a miss, a middle-of-the-field shot to Waddle. It was just a little bit high. Jalen damn near pulled that thing in anyways, but he did not. Other than that, it was a lot of big plays, a lot of efficient work in terms of timing, placement, getting through his progressions. The shot to Tyreek in the beginning of practice was as good as it gets because you had Xavier Howard and Javon Holland 
as the two defenders that he was going after. And Tyreek gets a really good release, as he is wont to do, and gets on top of X. But you know how X does it. I mean, his recovery ability is really second to none. And if Tua is short even six inches on this throw, X probably has a play on the football. And if he's a beat late, Javon has a play on the ball over the top as well, but it's not. It's it's perfect. Tyreek hauls it in right along the perimeter, and there was some debate if he got the feed in or not, but that's small potatoes in this instance because process over results, right? If you can get that on X and Javon, there probably aren't many you can't get it on. A really good sign for this Dolphins offense with QB1 and wide receiver 1, 1A, whatever you want to call it, Tyreek. Then I thought he continued... You know, a super sharp practice, arguably his best uh, of camp. He he found Trent Sherfield on a play that was ran from the minus 40. The defense shows the blitz and wound up coming. Tua had the answer with a quick shot to Sherfield there. And this is where you see the placement that can create yak and some of the stuff that Coach referenced earlier this offseason. There's a backer who's right on Trent's back and a safety who takes one step up as Tua goes to make that throw because you know I have pressure. The quarterback's going to be hot. If I can step in front of a route here, maybe I can get myself an interception and go back the other way. But because of the placement of the football, Trent can stay on that sprint, quiet hands through the catch, reach up, pluck that thing. And again, because of that accuracy to keep Trent moving and the decisiveness to get that safety to take that one false step down, Sherfield's able to take that thing 60 for six on the other end. He also had a really nice shot in the mid-red zone work on a 10-yard touchdown during the end of the practice session. They did rule it down at the one-yard line, but again, process, right? Tua's on the move to his right. He clears that front hip to create that torque on the football, drops that arm angle, and just slots it right in there with a dot to Cedric Wilson, who absorbs some contact from Javon Holland, but puts the ball over the goal line. But because we're tagging off, he's down where the contact happens, and this capped a beautiful drive where Tua, after the aforementioned miss to Waddle, came right back with a dime in the bucket to Tyreek. You can see the wide corner fall back and the safety come up over the top to create this very delicate window where he needed a little extra hump slash arc on the ball to layer it in there, and he does just that. Then Tyreek made so many moves that I'm convinced he would have had a touchdown run akin to the one Jarvis Landry had back in 2015 against the Houston Texans. I know you all remember that one, but again, tag off down right there. Then Tua comes back with another dot moving to his left for Mike Gesicki for 20 yards. And I just want to mention how smooth Tua looks throwing on the move slash off platform. There's a drill that they go through before practice where coach Daryl Bevel is working with the quarterbacks on their feet in Indies where they climb, shuffle, drop back, and they work you know up sideways, back down around the bags on the ground, and they'll do a clap, and then the ball has to come out from that point. And you've seen them really training their, their feet to get set quickly, but also fire that thing from a, from a good platform, good mechanics. And I thought that drill really, really carried over in practice today. He did throw a pick. But it was from the plus 40 with eight seconds to go on the clock, down by four, a Hail Mary situation. Those passes are picked off more often than not. And I I know that wasn't the context you saw applied out there on some tweets, but that was the context of that pick. So, uh, yeah, don't don't worry about that too much. Really strong showing from QB1 today. Teddy Bridgewater was also really good today. He was quick, decisive, had a deep shot to Tyreek of his own that was an absolute dime. He moved the team down the field, a lot of short intermediate connections with good timing and rhythm. Thought he was sharp today. I thought Skylar Thompson was also very good today. He was on it. Most notably, I thought he did well to manage some dirty pockets. I think he's come a long way in that regard through two, uh, 10 days of training camp where he's 
a little more poised every day, it seems, dealing with that pressure, finding a new spot to climb to and get that clean throwing mechanics, get that platform to throw from and deliver some strikes down the field when maybe you can't get it all aligned mechanically. Plenty of quarterback success means we had some good receiving days too, right? Well, Tyreek did Tyreek stuff. Sherfield had that long touchdown. Preston Williams had a nice contested grab on a third down conversion from Tua. And then Braylon Sanders and River Craycraft both had 20-ish yard plays or so from Teddy Bridgewater. And then also... Cedric Wilson, super solid in all facets in this practice, I thought. Hunter Long had a nice pickup late in the scrimmage and that, that end type end part of the uh, scrimmage type period. Probably should edit that out. We're not going to do it, though. Adam Shaheen had one as well, and Mike Gesicki caught a handful of passes in that tight end room. The run game didn't get going as much, though I thought Chase Edmonds continues to just really fascinate me with the way he makes those quick decisions, the vision, and the burst to hit it when he sees it. Man, he sure challenges the defense to get their keys early and go, because if you don't, you're going to be in bad shape. More on that in a second, but first, the offensive line. In fact, we'll pair this together with the 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 one-on-ones and the team period with the offensive line, defensive line. I thought Liam Eichenberg was awesome, particularly in the one-versus-ones or one-on-ones. He's showing really good stuff with his balance with guys trying to drop power on him, but also going laterally where you have to mirror and stay square, stay on balance. His hand placement has been terrific. I had him with three straight wins versus Wilkins, Sealer, and Jenkins in those pass rush drills. That's a tall task, and he got it done today. But those guys would get theirs in the team period. Both Wilkins and Sealer had sacks that no quarterback on planet Earth could have avoided, like Aaron Donald quickness through the middle. We're going to hear from John Jenkins on how those two work in just a moment. But man, when they get it right, it's unstoppable. It's engage, disengage, and then use the momentum you know, of that when you chuck the defensive player in front of you to propel yourself, to slingshot yourself to the quarterback. Wilkins's camp has been just pure dominance, and Sealer isn't far behind, if at all. John Jenkins, I thought, was really, really good today as well. And speaking of quick pass rush wins, wins Philip had Jalen Phillips had one where he threatened the center of his man, where you kind of show your rush to get him to get to that landmark and get into that pass set, but then a quick move to the upfield shoulder to swipe and take that vertical step without losing balance and acceleration and was able to kind of bend that edge. I just wrote in my notes, what a specimen this guy is. He's so impressive. He blows me away. And then the hits keep coming off the edge, man. Melvin Ingram has been so dang sturdy off the edge. He must take so much pride in setting the edge because he tees up all the speed we have at that second level to get over and make plays when coming his way. Then I had notes on both Andrew Van Ginkle and Emmanuel Ogba for the way they win and how today it was so different. But I think there's so much value to that when you try to create matchups for different types of tackles you're going to see on Sundays. First, you know, Ogba in one-on-ones, you just feel his strength and length. Even when he gets stood up, you can see the strain of his opponent to get that block executed. He's a lot to handle. He also finished off the scrimmage portion of practice with a game-clinching sack, you know, game-clinching. He did the same thing last year, both in Chicago and when the Falcons came down here. He's a gamer, man. And then Andrew Van Ginkle, the way he can shorten the corner with his bend and pliability through that contact, it's a trait that allows him to excel as both a rusher and a run defender. And then back to the offensive line. I thought Connor Williams was sturdy and pass pro today. I thought big Rob Hunt and Austin Jackson got some good surge in the running game. And Blaze Andrews gets in the notes for an excellent block out in space on a Zaquandre White catch and run. Zaquandre had two big plays today, by the way. Excuse me, Travis. 
uh, one run and one catch. I mentioned Jerome Baker's speed. He was fantastic in pursuit today, getting over the top of all that edge setting from the guys off the edge. Really, really good day for 55. Channing Tindall forced a fumble today. He continues to flash the skills that I thought really stood out at Georgia. It's been a nice arc for the rookie this camp. John Jenkins talked about getting noticed for a guy that went from, you know, himself going from Juco to a player who's bounced around the league. Channing Tindall finds a way to get your attention just about every practice when he does something. Uh, Brandon Scarlett was like Ingram, you know, really good in the run game today. Darius Hodge nearly had a pick with some good coverage at one point. DeAndre Johnson had a sack. And then back to the defensive line, Owen Carney had a sack as well. That's the first time uh, he made it into the notes this, this camp. And I forgot to mention Raekwon Davis in the pass rush one versus ones. Man, he he was good. Kind of like I mentioned with Ogba, the length and power that you just feel it on every snap. And then finally in the secondary, I thought Igbenogany was really good again today. Then the safeties, Javon Holland had three plays that really stood out to me. Just what he does. A textbook coverage rep on Hunter Long playing the football over the back of the receiver. A read coming down on a Tua to Tyreek pass where his presence, I thought, caused the incompletion. And if it was live, it would have been a pretty big collision as well. In fact, he was in good shape for a ton of big hits today. One on Cedric Wilson, one on Mike Gesicki, this one on Tyreek. But awesome job taking care of your teammates, Snowman. That's good stuff. Good veteran work out there. And then, of course, the pick was, you know, it's just like, yeah, Javon's going to get that. Watching that play made me feel really good about potential Hail Marys from the opposition this year. Number eight back there is going to be kind of the guy that takes care of that, I think, a lot of the time. Brandon Jones, remember his sack against the Jets last year in the game down here in Miami? Zach Wilson had just made a blitzing, I think, Nick Needham miss in space and extended a drive on third down. Then on the first down, they tried another boot action, and here comes Brandon Jones and just cleans him up, uh, just broke down in space and got him to the ground. Very impressed by his ability to play as fast as he does but also break down and stay in control. And then Verone McKinley gets the last word today. He scooped up the fumble that was forced by Tyndall. And man, that pick he had on the 50-50 ball against Jalen Waddell. What a thing of beauty. He high points it, knocks it up into the air, then catches his own deflection. Fun, fun day here from the Baptist Health Training Complex. Let's go ahead and take our last break and finish up with some player media availability on the other side. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by AutoNation. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen seems like an easy choice to me columbia pfg has you covered with their Castback tc shoe its omnimax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot say fighting a fish not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet rocking boat so if you're going to be spending long days out on the water and i sincerely hope that you will be head over to columbia.com pfg and shop all their performance fishing gear The third and final segment of a Sunday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We're going to go ahead and finish up this edition of the po- uh, program, the podcast program, with some media veils. Let's go ahead and start here with Cedric Wilson, who was asked about how he sees his role in this offense. And then also a follow-up, what have you enjoyed most about playing in Mike McDaniel's offense so far? Here's Miami's newest receiver, Cedric Wilson. Uh, I feel like my role is to complete what my assignment is and whatever the play is called, that's my job. 
the versatility that you gotta when you gotta study the game at the same time you gotta be able, uh, be able to go out there and execute what they're asking you. Um, and then he brings the he brings the energy before we even step out on the field, and uh, you gotta love a coach like that. For the sake of time, let's go ahead and end here with John Jenkins. We also had Savan Ahmed. We also had Hunter Long and Sam McGuavin. You guys can find those on the YouTube channel, uh, those media availabilities. Let's go ahead and finish up here. John Jenkins, though, a couple of questions I thought were just just really impressive, you know, veteran presence type of stuff. First, he was asked about how you balance mentorship with relating to guys that might be seven, eight, nine years younger than you. I just want to play this whole thing because it's so dang good. Here's John Jenkins. Um, listening. Listening, you know, uh, I've been, I had, uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to have some good vets, right? When I first came in the league, uh, y'all know uh, T. Armstead is here, you know, Morstead, those two guys I was with um, in New Orleans, right? And when me and Armstead got in the league, I had like Jonathan Vilma, you know, I had like Kenyon Coleman, Jabari Greer, all those guys, you know, uh, rest in peace, Will Smith. Like I had those guys who were champions and, 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 and you know, led by example. But one thing they did, even though they made us do a lot of stuff, uh, they listened to us, you know? And I think having a young group that want to be better, you know, that want to do good, you can see what their work ethic. So now I think for us old heads, we have to listen to, you know, how they go about things and how they react to things and their approach to a lot of things. And then once we can understand their angle, you know, then we can just guide them on the right path, you know? And as y'all can see when y'all here, y'all see these guys actually, you know, busting their behind and and actually one competitive and but both back and forth is the up and down flow, offense, defense, offense, defense, you know? And I, and I enjoy that, I like that, right? So uh, I think that's one of the things being a vet is being able to listen to the locker room, being able to listen to the guys individually and being able to help them find a solution to get better and want to do good and stay on a positive, you know, stay in a positive direction. One more here from John Jenkins. And this whole interview was so good that I recommend checking it out again on the YouTube channel. Let's go ahead and finish with this one, though. I asked him about... He mentioned working with Christian and, and Zach Sealer, you know, back in 2019, his first year here. He then left in 2020, came back last year here for his third season with Miami uh, in four years. And I asked him how he has seen the impact or how the biggest area of growth for those two guys. Got a Miami Vice reference in here. Here's John Jenkins on what stands out most about Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer's growth from 2019 up until now in 2022. Um, their bond, right? Uh, uh, I look at it like, um, you ever see the movie, like the, I ain't see the old one, but the new one, Miami Vice with Jamie, you know? And they have like a bond, right? Like they, they beef, sometimes you'll catch them, they're beefing, but they know how to work and feed off each other, they get the job done. And I see them, you know, taking charge, right? Like I can, I actually see that, you know, Zach calling, see Zach calling, you know, orchestrating the defense and, and, pointing out little things here and there. And then Christian is uh, uh, just, he don't talk. He just zone out and then shoot the gap or do what he need to do and Zach feed off of it. And I think that's one thing I seen when I came back um, is the chemistry that they, that they have and that they built when I was gone. All righty, that's going to be the end of this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We're off the next couple of days, but I am going to, because I love you guys so much, put together a 10 takeaways from the first 10 days of camp from the 10 position groups podcast for you guys. 
That should be out on Tuesday, and then we'll be back on Wednesday evening with a report from Tampa Bay, practice report, written and podcast reports here on Drive Time on MiamiDolphins.com. We'll do it again on Thursday. We'll take Friday off. And then we have a game to cover on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That'll be a early Sunday morning podcast for you guys uh, as we go early into the morning hours in the post-game show with myself, Seth, and OJ, and then, of course, the podcast to follow that. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice and our weekly Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock for the rest of the season. You can also check out the YouTube channel for these media availabilities for Dolphins today, some drive time and fish tank clips. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com for the written notebook and photo gallery. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy's come home.